What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, we have a fun new guest on the podcast, Emily Cole. She's a runner at Duke University. She runs the steeplechase and cross country, of course. You may know her from TikTok. She has almost 200K followers on there, sharing her experience as a student athlete. She also has almost 100K on Instagram and super exciting. In October, she's coming out with a book. It's called The Player's Plate. It talks all about nutrition and a bunch of different professional athletes' views on nutrition and also some experiences that Emily herself has gone through, like hyponatremia in high school. This episode talks a lot about nutrition, which makes sense. It also talks about body image and other issues that go on in the female running world, especially. We talk about social media, school, and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy. It's very fitting that today's episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker because it has so much to do with nutrition. If you're a fan of this episode, I know that you will love Inside Tracker. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside your body, which is really hard to gauge on a day-to-day basis when you have no sort of, you know, data that shows you what's going on inside your body. But that's where Inside Tracker goes beyond generic blood work by revealing a more personalized reference range for each person, the optimal zone to assess precisely where your health is optimized and where it's not. My last inside tracker results show that some of my optimized biomarkers are calcium, magnesium, vitamin D, surprisingly. That one took a long time to get up, but we are finally in the optimized zone. My potassium, testosterone. I've put a lot of work in since like February of 2021 to optimize a lot of my biomarkers. Some of them that still need work. One of them is actually my cortisol level, which I talk about a lot. Cortisol is the stress hormone. And it's one of the things that especially nowadays I'm really trying to prioritize getting my cortisol down because that is really important. My LDL cholesterol is borderline high, which is not great. My B12 low. So there's just all things to work on. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. They analyze your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to help you live healthier longer. With the Inside Tracker app, you get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body, which is super cool because like how often are you getting individualized recommendations based off your blood work? Not that often. And you can add inner age 2.0 to any plan to calculate your true biological age and to see how you're aging from the inside out. So the goal for most people is to have your inner age be younger than your actual age. And mine is. Mine says I'm 21 even though I'm almost 26. So I'm the GOAT. For a limited time, take 20% off Inside Tracker's top selling ultimate plan if you're in the US or Canada. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash Emma or use code Emma20 to get that 20% off the Inside Tracker website. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Emma. Now let's get straight into today's episode with Emily. Right, Emily, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. This is funny. I literally just recorded with another Emily yesterday. So this is like deja vu. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of it. I've literally listened for so long and all my teammates are like, oh my gosh, you're going to be on the Cabos of a Cold Brew podcast. They're so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, hopefully we live up to the hype, you know, this is right here. Um, I think we'll have a good episode. I'm pretty sure, but this is our first we time meeting, so we'll see what our vibe is. I can already know? tell the vibes are great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've been, we've been on the phone call for five minutes and it's just been me complaining about my technological difficulties. Um, but so far so good. So I can only imagine what the next hour has in store. For I know. <laughs> Um, well, to kick it off, do you want to just give a little rundown of who you are and what you're about? 
Yeah, for sure. So my name is Emily Cole, and I am a senior this year on the cross country and track and field teams at Duke. Um, I was kind of late to the running world. I did volleyball and basketball for most of high school. And so I really started focusing on running my senior year. So that's kind of cool that I'm, I'm more new to the whole world because you know, the running world can get very small. Um, and I definitely um, have started to focus on steeplechase. I kind of dabbled in it in high school, but have really started to like love it and embrace it in college. And I am super passionate about everything, health and wellness and fitness. And I actually have had like a lot of nutrition, like struggles on my own. I, as a senior in high school, like that year ended up going into a coma from drinking too much water and being too low in sodium. And so over the years, I just kind of realized that I wanted, like, I wish there had been a guide for sports nutrition that I could have read as a high schooler. So I took a gap semester whenever COVID hit my sophomore year of college and wrote a book called The Player's Plate. And I'm just really hoping it can kind of help protect a lot of future athletes from the different struggles I had to go through myself. Yeah, that's awesome. I read the copy or I, I skimmed through the copy of your um, book and it's super cool. I mean, yeah, there's nothing really out there for, especially, you know, young female distance runners. That's a good yeah. model for nutrition. I mean, you have like recipe books out there and stuff, but it's hard to find something that, I don't know, is inclusive of a lot of different topics. And I feel like your book does a really good job. So I'm sure it'll be a Thank you. big hit with the, with the running world. That's exciting. That's the goal. Yeah. I feel like there are just a lot of topics too that, I mean, people have become very much so like more open to speaking about things like body image and eating disorders more recently, like over the past few years, but it's less like, it's still hard for people to like come out and talk about it like themselves. And so I think that for, especially younger athletes who might not like like I know you and I are all in like the circles where we hear these conversations a lot, but not everyone is. And so if people can like read this, I, I interviewed like different elite athletes to get their personal stories and perspectives. And I think hearing it from them and hearing their stories about going through these struggles and how like, you know, restricting food and being too anal about everything, having to be perfectly healthy, like never paid off for them. It can help them avoid that, you know, later on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, so many good topics in your book. And it is cool that you were able to interview a bunch of different professional athletes. I feel like that's just another perspective that like no one, no one gets these perspectives from day-to-day -day life, especially like, yeah. I don't know, high school athletes. When are you ever yeah. getting to hear, I don't know, Shalane Flanagan's exactly viewpoints on nutrition other than her own book, but yeah, yeah yours like goes into depth and that's really like cool. Um, and I want to talk more about nutrition later, but first I want to talk about kind of like how you got into running and everything. That's Love so it. like funny that you got into it really late and yeah, the running world is super small and very niche when you get to like the level that yeah. you're running at now. So I'm intrigued to hear about like what your experience has been like from the start. Yeah. So I definitely like, I was not in the running world at all throughout high school. Um, I had like no clue about who anyone was or what anything was. I was kind of doing it for fun and kind of as a way to stay in shape for volleyball and basketball. I, I even like quit cross country my sophomore year to, because I was like doing volleyball and it was the same season <laughs> at the same time. Um, but then my senior year, like the summer before my senior year, I was like, oh my gosh, like, all right, I want to break five in the mile. Like that was literally my thing. <laughs> it was like, I wasn't like, I was like, I'm not going to run in college. Like, it's not going to be, you know, the rest of my life. But like that summer I had like 
gotten a little bit more into nutrition and like eating healthier. And I was like, okay, like my last race of my junior year, um, my, my PR was like a 5'11". My coach was like, all right, we're going to break five. And so- I think that's realistic though. That's like a realistic jump, especially as you get older yeah. into like high school, like 11 seconds, it seems like a lot, especially yeah. as you get like faster and faster, like 11 seconds is a huge jump, but I don't think it's impossible, you know? Especially in like bigger meets. So I was like, okay, yeah. like we can do this. We go, it was like regionals or whatever. And um, we're like, okay, on pace for, for five flat. And I did like the first three laps, like with like, you know, the first group. And then I just- died the last lap oh, <laughs> we were like a 517 it. or something it was like 17 second jump on the last lap and so after that race was when I was like all right next year I'm gonna break it because that was just so frustrating um and then so I ended up like really focusing more on on running that summer and, and since I wasn't doing volleyball and basketball you know I was like wow like I can actually feel good running like I don't have to feel like death every day after having mm-hmm. basketball the day before um so that was really cool over the summer. I just like started running a lot faster and I was like, wow, like this, I'm definitely a different athlete than I was before. And so I had reached out to a couple of like college coaches over the summer, but obviously didn't have any times yet. And my senior year, I ended up, um, my cross country season was, um, good. I, I cut like a significant chunk of time off like my PR. It was like 20 minutes and then I ran I only ran like sub 18 my senior year or something so it was like the the huge jump that is way different breaking 18 and going 20 something well it was it was more of like a it was hard because I had never run those times before so I didn't really realize it at the time like what like how big of a jump that was and there were like a couple of coaches like college coaches that had seen my times and they're like where the hell did this girl come from? Like what? And so they went and found my previous PRs and they're like, okay. And that's how I got like my first visits. I went to Alabama and Pitt. Um, both of those coaches were really great about like doing the research to, to find me. I really appreciate that. Um, and I qualified for state for the first time and was super excited. But the night before my state cross country meet was when I, uh, went into my coma and had my like bit with hyponatremia. So I didn't ever really get to do anything super crazy in cross country in high school. And then that track season, I kind of got a little bit of redemption. I did end up getting to qualify for state in the mile and run a 450. So I broke five, um, <laughs> big, big gates. Yeah. That, okay. That again, that is also a huge jump. Like, yeah, it was definitely like a, a, a huge, um, progression year. That's why it was, it was so exciting, but also, a lot of like mistakes and lessons were learned in the process yeah I mean that makes a lot of sense I feel like that's what high school is about and if yeah. I mean if you've only run so many years like you're gonna learn a lot of lessons especially yeah. when you start yeah. getting really good really fast you're gonna learn a lot about like racing and your strengths and weaknesses I'm sure at that point yeah. in time catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. I want to talk about your hyper, what is it? Hypo- it hyponatremia. Yeah. Okay. So I've heard about like, it. Like I know what it is. Um, but do you want to talk like a little bit about it? Cause I haven't yeah. personally heard of anyone that like I know of that's 
had that happen to them, but do you want to kind of go into detail on that? Yeah, for sure. So I had, I had never heard of it before it happened to me. And basically for like a couple of months before that night, I had been feeling kind of weird, like off. And I wasn't really able to focus as much in conversations. And I was like, you know, not as, it was like, I was not as like motivated to hang out with my friends. It was definitely having effects on my mental health as well. I remember I had never really having any issues with mental health up until that point. And then, you know, our high school had like a presentation on, you know, different like signs and symptoms. And I saw that like, I was doing a couple of them, which was like, of, of like signs of like depression of like, you know, not wanting to hang out with your friends anymore, like not listening to music, like kind of fidgeting with your hands. And I was like, I, that was, you know, a wake up call for me, but I also didn't understand like what the issue was. Like, I didn't know who to talk to or what to do about it. I was like, okay, like I'm just going to, you know, keep focusing and, and training hard. And, and after like the season ends, I'll like finally get my rest. And that's kind of like the motto that I kept like telling myself. And then as it got closer to the state meet, obviously it got worse. Um, and I was like, starting to feel sick the whole travel day up there. And, um, I basically, everyone thought that I had just eaten something bad for lunch, but it ended up that I was actually just getting pretty dangerously low in sodium. And the body is so stupid. Like it's so confusing to me sometimes because it like, I got sick. And so then I started throwing up, which made me even lower in sodium. And that's why I got like, like really dangerously low was because I had gotten sick that day. Um, basically I, it was like the night before my parents had gone out to some friends for dinner and I had like gone to go to rest at like 8 PM. And my coach came in with my teammates like an hour later, just to check on me. Cause they knew that I wasn't doing well. Um, and everyone had been super nice and considerate the whole day. I felt terrible for like ruining the trip for everyone. Um, and he came in and like shook my shoulder and it looked like I had a seizure. So I was not conscious. And so he called the ambulance and they came and got me um, and they drove me to the hospital. And obviously my, my parents had came back from dinner immediately. They were on the ambulance as well. And one of the medics was like, I think that this is hyponatremia because they see it a lot in like um, extreme endurance athletes, like people who are running hundred milers or things like that. And I had presented all the same symptoms, but I went into a self-induced coma. So basically I was like so low in sodium that you need sodium is an essential electrolyte for like your cells to function and for your brain to function. And so essentially I was so low that like you different signs can also be cramps. And so that's why it looked like I had like had a seizure really was my muscles like convulsing because I was so low, but, um, got to the hospital and it took them two days to like slowly raise my sodium levels enough for me to become conscious again, because obviously, you know, when you eat more sodium, like your body naturally swells. And so they can't do it too quickly or else your brain will swell and that can kill you too. So it was like, it was a very, very scary time for me and my family. And hyponatremia is definitely something that's not talked about nearly enough. Everyone, especially in Texas, I feel like we get, cause I'm from Houston. Um, it's like, always hammered in us, like drink water, drink more water. And so I thought I was doing the great thing. Like I was chugging water all day long, but really I wasn't putting electrolytes in it. And I feel like, you know, athletes that are at a higher level and in college, like hear a lot more about electrolytes, things like noon and liquid IV that 
help replenish these things. But when you're in high school, I don't think that they have these same conversations. At least I didn't. And I didn't even know what electrolytes were. So like, that's how I ended up getting so low. The doctors were like, you literally just need to be putting salt and electrolytes in your water to avoid issues like this. It's not just putting salt on your food. Um, so yeah, definitely learned that the hard way, but the more that I've talked about it, I've had a lot more people kind of come out and be like, Hey, I know someone who had the same thing happen to them. And a lot of people have died from it. Like, it's really scary. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I feel like it's not as common as it should be. So it makes sense that, I mean, it's very dangerous because if you really don't know what's happening, then yeah, I mean, I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. I would have no idea what was going on. And it was like the same thing as you said, like when I was in high school, I did not know what electrolytes were. Even in college, yeah. like, you would have propelled a drink. And yeah. Like, and there's like no sodium in that. <laughs> yeah. And I would drink it because it tasted good. Not because I like wanted electrolytes, you know, and people uh-huh. had like salt tabs. I was like, why are they taking salt tabs? Like, <laughs> exactly. But then now, I mean, I see why or whatever. Do but... you, did you and your teammates drink like Pedialyte? people love Pedialyte. Like I always thought it was a little odd. I'm like, why is everyone, I used to call it baby juice. I was like, yeah. why is it being baby juice? Like it's, I've never I bought it. it. Like I understood why like people were yeah. drinking it, but then it always just kind of weirded me out. But yeah, my entire team would uh, drink Pedialyte, which again, like makes sense. I mean, there's a ton of electrolytes in there. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like my, I asked because my entire team loves it. And so like bef- the night before me, it's like, or like day before me, it's everyone's like ch- chugging Pedialyte, but it actually doesn't have that much sodium in it. So it's like, yeah, I don't know like, what's in there. What even is in Pedialyte? I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I have no. I mean, but, now I drink so much noon. Like, there's no way I feel yeah. like I would ever have any of these issues because I don't even think I drink yeah. normal water anymore. Now I strictly, I know. Noon, which I'm like, okay, maybe I cut back on the noon yeah. a little bit and I drink normal water. Well, it's also expensive. Like, go through like the tubes. There's only like, I don't know how many are in there, 10. Yeah. But they're so good. Like, I. I could drink them all day. <laughs> I could literally be like, I can drink an entire little container of them, the 10 tablets. Yeah. In one day. I'm like, this is so, this is how much sodium is that? I don't know, but I sweat a lot. So I'm like, that's my excuse uh, yeah. to Same. do that. But were you like, ch- like, were you, how much water do you think you were drinking? Or was it like that you weren't salting your food enough? And like, obviously was, you're sweaty. Yeah, it was definitely all three of those things. So I was, gosh, I couldn't tell you how much water I was drinking, but it was definitely like a, like constantly throughout the day kind of thing. And I definitely wasn't eating enough at that time either. And so it would kind of be one of those things where it was like, you know, if we were in between meals, I just like drink a bunch of water. And so that was definitely not replenishing. I was also like eating way too healthy. And so my food didn't have a lot of sodium in it. And then third, I'm also just a particularly salty sweater. So this very different spectrum of whether you're a salty sweater or not. And so I didn't realize that, but like, I mean, I'm one of those people that gets like salt lines on my clothes after workouts. So it's like, it's pretty easy to tell if you fit in that crowd and that makes you a lot more prone to having issues like this. And, and it can affect more, like even if it's not this extreme case, like being low in sodium can like affect your mood levels and your ability to perform every single day. And so it's definitely something that like, you know, if, if you're listening and you think that you might be a salty sweater or someone this could affect, like it's worth doing a salt test or like just trying to drink some more electrolytes and see if it makes you feel better. Yeah. Have you ever done one of those salt tests? I actually haven't, which is surprising, but I I've wanted to for years. We, we definitely did them in college, but I don't really remember what my result was, but I think I'm the same yeah. thing. I'm a very sweat, like salty sweater. Like I yeah. can smell, mm-hmm. but maybe I also just like eat a lot of salt. So 
I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of, I like, I've always craved like salty snacks and I didn't really know why, but now I do. Now it makes <laughs> a lot more sense. So was, I mean, I'm sure that was like a bit of a wake up call for you. I guess like what changed after that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I was definitely at that time, like because eating healthy had, I mean this, I feel like so many runners have this story, but because like eating healthy, like had been what helped me along with not doing volleyball and basketball anymore, really helped me be able to run fast that season and kind of start to love running and cross country was something that I had hated for years before that. And so it was, it was so like eye-opening for me in that time that I was so excited about it. And then to have that happen where it was like, wait a second, like to the outside world, it looks like you're doing everything right. Like you're eating, you know, you're cooking all your own meals. Everything's healthy. Um, I had, I had, learned how to like track my macros too. So it wasn't even like, I was like restricting a lot. It was more of that. I was like making sure all my meals were perfectly balanced, um, with like carbs, proteins, and fats and vegetables. Um, and after that happened, you know, it was like, you're doing everything that society tells you is healthy and what you need to do to like, you know, go all in, reach your athletic goals, like be the best athlete you can be. And it almost ended up killing you. Like, how do those two things line up? And so that's kind of the, that's why I made that like the introduction to my book, because it's, that was my wake up call of being like, okay, the way that like society deems healthy. And I like, you do an amazing job of like showing this to like younger athletes, just how like healthy is about so much more than like just what's in the nutritional content of your food too. Like, obviously it's about like having balance in your life and like learning how to enjoy every aspect of it too. And whenever you release the reins nutritionally, that's like a quote from Jesse Thomas in my book from his chapters. Like whenever he released the reins nutritionally a little bit, it was whenever he was able to like really find this like maximum performance and he was enjoying life more too. So it was like, that was my moment where I was like, wait a second, this definition of healthy, even if you look up the definition of healthy in the dictionary, like it doesn't work for athletes. Like we have a different set of guidelines than the general population, but I'll even caveat by that by saying like everyone is an athlete. So like we, no one is like, you know, you just need to be eating vegetables and grilled chicken all day. <laughs> there are more, we are so much more detailed than that. I don't know. We have so many more uh, levels than just like you know, fitting out a perfect meal plan. And so after that, you know, it took me a couple of years to really figure out, like I spoke with a bunch of registered dietitians and kind of figured out what worked best for me. And that's when I was like, okay, I really want to write this book to help athletes who really want to reach their potential and like eat healthy and use nutrition to reach their goals. Like understand that they don't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be like the super regimented thing. And it's way more about like, you know, cooking and making sure you're getting whole foods and foods that are high in nutrients than being like super restrictive. Yeah. And I mean, being super restrictive is not sustainable at all long term, exactly. like mentally and physically, like you're just going to drive yourself insane. Yeah. And yeah, the performance benefits you get from like freeing yourself of the reins of super strict nutrition is insane. Exactly. Your mind is free and you're just like, I don't know, your body feels a lot more yeah. free for some reason. Yeah. Um, I literally listened, I listened to this podcast Elise Cranny did with Voice and Sport. And that was one of the things she talked about was how like once she started like feeling herself correctly, it was like she had the mental capability to like 
reach that edge and like that last like push at the end of her race that she just like didn't have the mental bandwidth to do before whenever she was spending so much time and energy on like what she was eating throughout the day. Yeah, I think the same thing, it's kind of parallels body image to me because yeah. I, especially in college, like I really, really struggled with body image, like to the max. Yeah. And it was the number one thing that I thought about like all day long. It just affected my day to day so much. Mm-hmm. Like it was so detrimental to my mental health. But once I kind of, I don't know, started working on that and just, especially it ties into the food thing where I was just like really listening to my body and fueling my body well and yeah. I don't know, I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. It kind of released that, I don't know, pressure I put on myself to like make my body look a certain way, I guess. And yeah. it really helped my performances because I'm not draining my mental energy thinking about the way I look when I line up on a starting line. It's just this drastic yeah. difference. But it's yeah. so much- Okay, I have a question. Okay. I have a question for you on that. So that's obviously so huge. And there are so many athletes across like every different sport that- deal with that and there's even like like even a group we have a group here called duke body first where like female student athletes can come together and like talk about these issues so it's like less um less of a stigma around it anyways my point is how did you like make that transition like was there anything like you would recommend for people who are listening that like would love to do that but it's it's like easier to say than actually to put into practice yeah. And that's what I was literally just about to say. I'm like, it is way easier said than done. And no yeah. one's perfect, you know, like even in yeah. college, even when I was, you know, way better than I was like my sophomore year, I really struggled a lot. I think it was, I don't know, it was a very hard year for me. And then by the time I got to junior year, I was like definitely doing better, but it, I definitely was not perfect. So like, even looking back now, I was like, I still had a lot of issues, but just yeah. even like making small changes to get better was definitely worth it. And I would say, for me, like the biggest thing was to just not put pressure on myself to like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like for me, it was really (laughs) about intuitive eating. I think just once I really started listening to my body and what it was craving, because before I would just eat a certain way where I felt like I needed to eat. I don't know. I wouldn't track or anything, but I was just kind of like, if I wanted some certain food for dinner, like say I wanted to go get a sandwich from this place called market of choice in yeah. Eugene, instead of doing that, I would like force myself to eat my chicken, sweet potato and broccoli yeah. at home. And then I would be like really unsatisfied. And then I would end up like eating way more later in the night because I never really satisfied myself from like the yeah. actual meal, which made me feel bad about myself and made me feel bad about my body because then I was like overly stuffed and I like just felt really yeah. bad. And so like all of the, the eating and the body and were satisfied. Yeah. And I wasn't satisfied. So it's like, I wasn't listening to my body. I didn't trust myself because I just felt like I was insane and I, whatever. And then I just like felt really bloated and gross because I just ate way more than I really needed. I feel that. Yeah. And I (laughs) think a lot of people like can relate to that experience, but I think once I read a book called intuitive eating and it truly changed my life because I started listening to my body's cues a lot more and like really just honoring my cravings without any judgment of like what I was eating and like I'm a big yeah. person I'm, I'm 5'11 and you know when I'm lining up in the start line of a cross-country race like there's not that many other 5'11 yeah broads out there you know lining up <laughs> yeah so I already had that kind of against me where I was just like yeah. comparison to other people um and just like I mean pressure of running at the power five school is obviously yeah. like super immense so I think I don't know once I just started like really listening to my body and like really trying hard not to compare myself to other people or even like listen to other people talking about bodies and like what they should look like and I don't know 
pressure from people to like look a certain way yeah um is when I like really started feeling free and again like that answer probably sucks because it's like so specific to each person and like their experience and it just takes a lot of (laughs) I don't know it just takes a lot of time and even in college I definitely was not doing that great body image wise even when I was at my best in college like now I feel way better but it's just sad because I feel like I've left the running world and it's helped me a lot it's definitely possible though in the running world to like do it I just think for me I I don't know I felt better when I (laughs) I left yeah no I okay I like you said that's probably not a great I think that was a great answer especially talking about like intuitive eating I think that's the kind of the biggest thing that's lost whenever people get super restrictive. And that's been something that's super crazy to me to like realize how smart our bodies are. Like what you're saying, like there's a reason why you're craving certain things. And so it's like, that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize. Like I definitely realized whenever I was younger, I was just like, oh, I like, you know, want some sugary snacks. I want some salty snacks. Like I probably needed some carbs because I had track practice that morning or I needed some salt because as we know, I I lose a lot of sodium. And so I don't know. I just feel like you're so right. It's like definitely so personal to everyone. There's like step-by-step people can kind of like release the reins on like one thing at a time. It might be easier to like finally get there. And then kind of what you're talking about, like leaving the running world being super helpful. I think like that can be huge for some people. And I've seen, honestly, a lot of people on like TikTok talking about like quitting their D1 sport and being like so much better off. And I'm like, go you. Like, I love how supportive everyone is now of like mental health and people doing what actually like they need to do because there have been so many people who went through their four years of college athletics just because that's what they were supposed to do, not because they actually enjoyed it. Um, But I guess to say like, if you are staying in it, I think something that I'm extremely grateful for is just having girls around me who definitely eat intuitively and respect their hunger cues and have a great culture with food. I know that I'm like very, very lucky to have this environment around me and I'm very grateful for it every day. And I think it makes a huge, I know it makes a huge difference in like, you know, even if we have like new people coming in, like setting that standard that like, you know, on our team, like we eat (laughs) and like, we feel ourselves and like, we have a great time and it's never going to be something where like, we're sacrificing our lives for the sport, which I think is where a lot of people can get into a bad place with it. Yeah. I mean, I think the people that you surround yourself with makes so much of a difference and you don't know how much you can be affected by someone's negative eating patterns until you're like in the situation for, especially for years. Or even just comments, like little comments here and there. It's I'm an an extremely confident person. I really have had high school. I had no body image issues or anything, but just, Yeah. yeah. I mean, little comments, like they, everything just adds up after a while. And I think I yeah. to a person that I like, wasn't, I guess in yeah. college, like it just made me really unconfident. A lot of it. Um, yeah. so surrounding yourself with positive. Oh, I'm so I, sorry because you're such a queen. Like you should never have had to go through that. I mean, but, everyone has yeah. struggles yeah. and there was just like, I mean, I definitely had positive experiences and for the most part, people on my team were like very healthy and stuff, but it's just, yeah. I mean, there are definitely times where people are not healthy and I feel like it just yeah. influences, I don't know, an entire team culture sometimes, which is just really difficult. Cause it's like, I don't know. I think about this a lot, especially when I was like first out of college, like how to fix it, <laughs> but yeah. I don't really know. 
how to like fix I don't know the one running a lot of the time like female running culture I feel like it's just I don't I don't know there's so many things that like go into it but I think like you said like setting a good example for your team and like new people joining the team if you have like a team of people that are fueling their bodies accordingly and everyone has a really positive outlook on food in their body like I don't know it makes such a huge difference yeah I know that more like professional athletes are like coming out and college athletes like speaking about it. And so I think that's definitely one way that can really help it and change it a lot. I, I know it's a much bigger conversation now than it was, I don't know, five years ago. So I think that slowly, but surely like the more and more comfortable people get talking about it, I think it can really make some changes. Um, I mean, there were, there are inevitably always going to be some people that like, feel like everyone has to fall into the trap or doesn't have to, but like, everyone like you like you might fall into the trap on your own like because you just haven't even heard about it like I knew nothing about like the running world and eating issues because I was in the volleyball and basketball world and so whenever I was like struggling at like through my phase of thinking everything needed to be perfect all the time I didn't even know that that was like super common in the running world like I thought I was having this super unique experience and struggles and then it turns out like it's very common and so I think that's what's hard is like like we were talking about earlier is like you know the, the professional athletes and college athletes might be sharing these stories but it's like how do you actually make sure the stories are getting heard by the younger generation who, you know, might not be in the running world yet, or might not be following these professional runners. They're just doing it for fun and they still struggle the same way. Yeah. Especially, I mean, when I was in college, I feel like social media was a lot smaller than it is now. I think that's one of the benefits of social media for sure is just the ability to share your story. And like, I don't know what the potential of it going viral or just a lot more people seeing it than like back in the day. Because when I was in school, there was, I don't think anyone was really talking about it. Like body image was not a conversation that people were having. Um, And you, I mean, I would hear stories here and there of like on flow track, like someone would write an article or like, I don't know, about dealing with red S or something. And I was like, what's that, you know? Yeah. Or I don't even know. It was just so few and far between. I remember when I put out a video when I was in college talking about body image, like I was so nervous because I was like, I feel like yeah. this is such a unique experience and no one is dealing with it. Cause like people would not talk about it on my team or anything. And I was not being super open being like, I, <laughs> I don't like the way I look at my buns. You know, I was not saying yeah. cause who, I don't know. Who's it's, it feels so exposing to talk about it. Yeah. It's like, it's, I mean, it's just so vulnerable. Yeah. But I think now like with social media and more people talking about it, I feel like it is really yep. powerful and it makes people feel not alone. And that's what I realized exactly when I put out that body image video that, how many people also were struggling with it at the same time? Like yeah. people, my personal friends would DM me after that video, which was like literally in 2017, like, so long ago now. <laughs> but people I would know like in the running world that I've raced against would DM me and say that they were like dealing with the same thing. And then that's, I feel like what gave yeah. me the confidence to continue sharing about these issues is realizing that yeah. more people are like struggle with these things. But I think yeah. that's just like the power of social media. So very grateful yeah. for social media and I feel like it's such a good resource for the younger generation now even though there's definitely a lot of like negative influences on the internet um yeah I I feel the exact same way like I definitely wouldn't have been able to do like everything I have done without social media and like the way that it allows you to like reach so many people with your story but like it is 
it's like it almost makes it even more important for us to be vulnerable and like share these stories on social media because that it's a platform which can also like things can easily go viral where people have photoshopped them or people have like done different things to set standards or like they post the one picture where they're like running at like a certain angle where they and all the rest of them they like look like a normal human being and so it's like making sure that we're sharing that's like that's just like the minority that's like the the one out of every 50 pictures of me running looks pretty decent and the rest of them I look terrible um but just like making it more normalized because it is a platform that can have both like you were saying and and making sure that you know we're using it to its advantage I think that it's something that uh you honestly set the standard for a long time ago and I'm like kind of just now getting more into it so it's cool that I'm like like being able to go into the social media world like now like be a presence for younger athletes um these topics can can change their lives so yeah for sure I mean TikTok has been insane too like yeah just with the ability to go viral and reach so many different people it's just yeah. so different than like YouTube YouTube it's like yeah. a niche audience of people and you have to work so hard for every video yeah I, yeah I mean that's true too but <laughs> back in the day I feel like it was a little easier because it was less saturated like I feel like I just yeah. got lucky with me being on YouTube at the time that I started like back in 2017 but TikTok okay. has like been really cool to see people like you and other athletes like talk about their experiences and just be able to reach such a wide audience but then also TikTok scares me like TikTok I feel like is it's it's going to be really interesting to see the effects that TikTok has on the generation like the younger yeah generation. there's like on their phone a lot yeah I mean everyone's on their phone and I feel like there's just like a lot of like not healthy content that people are viewing yeah. all the time yeah and it's you can't filter it out really because you don't know what's about to come yeah. up on your for you page so it'll be interesting yeah. I have mixed feelings about TikTok and just like, I do too gonna become everyone on TikTok looks like crap on Instagram and be like people on Instagram reels seeing this trend three months later, like, oh. <laughs> but, um, I actually love the way, like, I love Instagram and the way that it allows you to like tell your story. And like, I don't know, I feel like you can, you can connect more with your audience. Mm -hmm. And now that it has reels too, like you can have the videos too. I think that people being able to see you like move and talk, it helps them be able to get to know you better. But like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of long captions on Instagram. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that I can really like share my thoughts on things. And, and for TikTok, kind of what you're saying, I just feel like it's definitely like a dangerous game. I feel like it allows a lot more, you know, publicity and like, it allows you to bring an audience to like your message if you have a good message. But a lot of times it's like me, me just trying to get people from TikTok like, to my Instagram. Cause that's like where like, I really provide content and value. Um, and I, I think the literal worst thing ever is when you're just like scrolling on TikTok and it's like, oh, you should probably take a break or like, oh, shouldn't you go to bed? I'm like, I'm oh, like, yeah, I've been on here for two hours. I probably like, should. Yeah, this is so bad. It's nice that they have that though. Like that hasn't always been there, but just like on like the fact that they even have to have it is just scary. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm going to, I'm like sort of like an adult, like in charge of all my own stuff now. Like if I was like a little kid, and I was just like, had nothing else to do. I can't imagine like how many different changes it's going to make. It's kind of scary. Yeah. But I mean, it is a very powerful app. And it, I mean, it's the ability to go viral, like was insane. I remember when I first downloaded the app in like 2019 and I posted my first video, I was like at some Nike event. And it was like a really cool event. They were like debuting the 2020 Olympic uniforms. And I remember oh, I just like, filmed like a little TikTok. 
And I was like, oh, like mm-hmm. first TikTok. And I filmed it and I I had like no followers. And then I went to bed. I was like, this video has like 30 views. I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and it had like 50,000 views. And I was just oh like mesmerized. Cause like, on, you don't see that on YouTube. Like that's not yeah. happening to you. And I was, I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this <laughs> app? Um, so the power to like reach people and like spread good messages is awesome. And I feel like you do a good job of, I don't know, carrying people over to your Instagram, which is also not the case with a lot of TikTokers. I feel like they have a hard time, you know, moving over, over yeah. to other platforms. But Cross it platform like, stuff, yeah. Yeah, but well, you feel like you've done it successfully. How has like social media changed your, I don't know, college experience, I guess. And your, yeah. it's, I'm sure it's changed your life. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, so I like got, into social media because my older sister does um she's a country music artist in nashville and she's super awesome you should go listen to her music it's julia cole music she's got a lot of a lot of songs that like you may have heard like she's done a couple of like duets that have done really well and she's got like millions of streams but she was the one who was like emily (laughs) it's so easy to get into the running world and think that your life is normal but you're running like 50 (laughs) to 60 miles a week and then like you you have like she like my family is always like Emily it is not normal that you just ran 12 miles this morning like you're not human (laughs) and so she was like you could just if you just like posted how many miles you ran every day like people would love that like that it's it's crazy and it's it's so funny because you're just around people all the time who do the same thing as you and so you think it's normal but like I started doing that and I didn't have like a lot of followers on Instagram but I definitely got more into the routine of it um and then like last year was when my stuff really like blew up on like Instagram and TikTok. And it was cool because I had already been doing it pretty consistently, even through high school. But I mean, it's definitely changed my life. I think that one of the biggest things is definitely like, it's helped me a lot to learn how, like focus on what messages I want to get across. It's like whenever I go on podcasts and people ask me questions or if I'm doing something for an article or things like that, it's like, I'm constantly practicing answering these questions and like telling my story on like every single post. And that's been really cool to realize how much it's actually benefit benefited me to whatever I want to do in the future, just kind of learning more about myself and, and how I want to articulate things and how I want to come across because you have so much time to kind of read the caption over and over and over and be like, okay, well, how could this sentence read? Like making sure that what you say is actually what you mean. Cause sometimes people can take things different ways. But I mean, now that everything is like a lot bigger, it's definitely weird. Like I I'll get people all the time. They'll, I'll just be like walking somewhere and they're like, Oh, Emily. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> and I like, don't know who they are. Yeah, you have no idea who they are. And you're like, hey. Yeah. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> um, but it was funny. Cause I actually had um, one of the like first things that blew up for me last year was like me asking for a date to formal. I um, remember TikTok. that. I remember that was the first time I saw you on TikTok was yeah, you at, and like that the little thing with you and the other guy. Yeah, Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. So he, for those who don't know, basically I posted TikTok as a joke, like saying I needed a date to uh, my track formal and didn't think anyone respond. And this guy who played lacrosse at Ohio State actually responded and his response got like millions of views. And everyone was like, wait, you have to take him. And at first I was like, oh, like, haha, like I just posted this as a joke. And then I like, <laughs> actually started considering it. And I was like, wait, like he seems nice. Like this could actually be really fun. And so I ended up like we FaceTimed for a little bit, like actually got to know each other 
know each other over FaceTime. And um, I I was like, do you want to come to formal with me? And he came to Duke. He like drove and he's a YouTuber. So he like made a whole YouTube video out of it. It was so funny and such unique experience. Um, But it was just so cool because it was like, that was the first time that I like really had something blow up. And we were like in New York together, like at the, over Christmas, because um, what so we had gone up there to do an interview and they literally, we were like walking through and people like, oh my gosh, like it's like it's the TikTok guys. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like warming up. So like months later, I was like warming up for a track race last year. And I'm like doing strides, like right before my race, it's a home meet at Duke. And they're like, there's like a lacrosse game going on. And our lacrosse stadium is like right next to our track stadium. So whenever there's also track meet and lacrosse game, like there are so many people right there. Anyways, someone like some teenage boy was walking to the lacrosse game, past me doing my strides. And literally he just like, he just looked at me and he was like, yelled. He's like, Mitchell Pelkey. And then he kept walking. <laughs> no other words. I was like, what just happened? It's so weird, but yeah. Do you still get comments about that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, especially it's mainly actually like, like when I meet younger kids or like people in the lacrosse world, lacrosse world, I feel like it's pretty similar to the running world too, where it's like, it's pretty small. Yeah. It's pretty niche. And and so anytime I see someone who plays lacrosse, they're always like, so like, let's update with you and Mitchell. I'm like, we're great friends. Like we're not dating, but it was super fun. But that was definitely the first time where I realized like how much social media can change your life and it has changed my life ever since. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it. And, and every day I'm just like grateful for the opportunities that it's provided for me because I know it's a platform that not everybody gets. And like, I definitely want to make sure that I like get across the right messages and make the most of it while I'm here. Cause it's also like, it's a very niche time too, while I'm a college athlete at Duke. Like I only have so much time where I get to put on the uniform and and be that role model. And so I'm like, okay, thank God for social media, first of all, that I can make the most of it, but how can I make the most of this time? Like, since it's such a short time in my life that I'll look back on for the rest of my life and be like, dang, I miss that. (laughs) The one regret I have from college is not starting my YouTube channel earlier. Like not even, it doesn't have to do with like social media fame or anything or like blowing up on the internet. It's more just like, I wish I documented my experience of college right from the beginning. But I mean- I was in college in 2014. Like YouTube was not that big back then. So I would have had yeah. no, especially the running YouTube scene was so small. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, it's so cool to be able to see that experience as a student athlete. And it is so, such a short amount of time. So it is going to be the, I feel like, I don't know, even a couple of years from now, when you're out of college, it'll be really cool to be able to like, look back and see, I don't know, reflect yeah. on your college experience. And I just, I tweeted about this the other day. I, I truly wish or like, I truly believe that I was meant to be born in like 1999 or 2000, because I feel like I was just a little bit too ahead of like the social media curve where or like now I'm a little bit yeah. old and I wish I was just, Oh um, my gosh, you're really, not. <laughs> no, but I just wish I was a few years younger because yeah. I feel like, I don't yeah. know. I love social media and I feel like I relate to the younger generation rather than yeah. like a lot of my friends that are like, I don't know, I'm almost 26. And a lot of my friends are like 26 to 30. And I like make these TikTok references and no one, no one gets it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I think I truly do think I was meant to be a couple years younger. And I wish, you know, <laughs> I wish I was in college when like TikTok was popping up. I feel like it would have been so fun. And yeah. so I normalized, like, cause when I was YouTubing in college, like everyone thought I was a freak. 
And I was like, I'm not a oh freak. Oh my God, really? Like, what? Well, I would no. I mean, it was just like, no, so, like, it was like so small. Like no one was doing so yeah. Like I had people, oh, well, yeah. someone it's just very different. You're like trying to like film. People are like, what is she doing? Yeah. People are like, why are you filming like on your phone? But like, obviously people started to like it. So then it became more cool. Yeah. But like, especially yeah. at the beginning when I was like, hey, like to my 1500 Instagram followers, I was like, hey, watch my YouTube channel. Everyone's yeah. like, cringe. And it was kind of cringe. I mean, I, I knew it was cringe but yeah exactly and it's also I feel like that's how it is for everyone when they're like just getting started no matter what social media platform it is and it's like the always thing that I say to everyone is like everyone had the cringe moment at the beginning Mm -hmm. where it was like you're just posting stuff and it's not getting views and you're putting yourself out there and you're like trying so hard and it's not getting views and you're not getting millions of followers from it yet but everyone has to go through that and it's like the people who push through that phase that end up getting to have things blow up, but you've got to go through it for a little bit. And I think that's what kind of what you're saying. It's like now nicer, like this generation, like, especially now that NIL has happened, like mm-hmm. people are, I feel like a lot less like judgmental about that. Like if you see someone like posting oh, a bunch sure. now, people are like, Oh my gosh, like good for them. Like they're really trying and like something's going to do well. So I, I actually wanted to ask, like, what do you think is the benefit? So I haven't done like barely anything on YouTube. I have like a channel that I have like two reposts on, but like, what do you think that the value of YouTube is like over the other social media platforms? I think it just is an ability to connect with people more. Like, I mean, Instagram, you're connecting via DMs and stuff, but you can only get so much across on like Instagram stories. And I mean, it's good that you have like long captions and that people will read the long captions. But on YouTube, like people are there for, you know, 10 minutes watching your life. And I feel like that just creates a really strong bond with your audience, which is really cool because I feel like it's just a really strong knit community. And like, I mean, business wise, like I feel like YouTube is just like a really, their focus is longevity. And I feel like it'll be around for a long time. I was actually talking to my friend this morning and we were talking about like social media stuff. Um, And he was saying, he's like, I think YouTube is going to be the one that like sticks around because they adapt yeah. well. I mean, they have like shorts and stuff and they have yeah. podcasts on there now, like everything's on there. Um, and even though TikTok has become like really, I don't know, relevant obviously right now. Um, I feel like the, there's just so much community on YouTube with creators that yeah. it'll be around for a while. Um, but on the other hand, like if someone was just getting started today for social media, like purposes, I wouldn't tell them like your first thing, you should start a YouTube channel. Cause yeah. unless you have like some crazy ideas of like doing challenge videos and stuff like vlogs types content is not doing great yeah. on YouTube right now because like everyone's looking at TikTok for entertainment purposes, really, unless you have like some crazy idea, like Mr. Beast videos or whatever. Yeah. Not saying that you have to do that, but <laughs> it's just a lot easier to like start on social media on TikTok at this moment in time, because the ability to go viral is so much more than YouTube. But I think for someone like you who already has like a good audience on like both TikTok and Instagram, I feel like it's a natural yeah. progression to do something like YouTube. It just yeah. requires a lot more work. Um, yeah. Then like something like TikTok, which is really easy to like post multiple times a day. Like YouTube, just, you have to learn how to edit. Um, yeah. You have to I've have heard like- it's a whole like beast too. Like whenever you get yourself like on like a, a regular, like posting schedule too, like that's stressful. Like I have to have this yeah. posted every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I've been really bad about that. Like I'm not the most consistent on YouTube. Like something like my podcast, I've been pretty consistent on, except for like this summer has been a little bit chaotic, but <laughs> I like every Thursday I'm posting. Um, yeah. but YouTube, for some reason, it's like 
harder for me to do that yeah. and like TikTok it doesn't really matter that much yeah um and you can post well, it five I, times a day I also feel like it makes sense it's like a much bigger piece of content that it takes a lot more work to like make sure you like it I it's like probably a good thing that you're not super great about your death lights on YouTube because it means you're like you're not like stressing yourself out about it <laughs> yeah I mean there's definitely been times where it's like I stress myself out about it um yeah. <laughs> I don't know I've given it's taken so many years of finding patience with myself and being less mean to myself with social media stuff. And it's just like a learning process, like not beating myself up for not posting every week on YouTube. I feel like took a long time, but then I realized my mental sanity is more important than, you know, putting out a video for people's entertainment, Mm -hmm. um, which I feel like people would appreciate that too. Like Mm -hmm. me taking space for my own mental sanity. So yeah, I mean, I, I love YouTube. It's like a really fun platform. And I feel like for you, it's like very natural progression that people would enjoy watching especially if they read your long captions on Instagram yeah. <laughs> yeah wow I feel like I talk about myself a lot <laughs> no I asked you a question I love it I like wanted to hear I also feel like it's I love like whenever people on podcasts like I don't know it's like both asking each other questions like getting to hear about both people too because I know these are questions like everyone listening like wants to hear too so yeah for sure and it's I mean it's nice to chat with someone who I feel like we've obviously like had a pretty like a similar path. I mean, when it comes to like just yeah. running in college, like at a yeah. really good and school. social media, and there aren't media. many people who are like big on social media in like the running world. <laughs> no. And like, it's cool, especially because TikTok now is bigger and there's more, especially like female running content creators. Because yeah. for a while there was no one like people, yeah. I mean, you had, like, you know, professional runners on Instagram and stuff, but there just hasn't really been that much personality in the female running world yeah. on social media. Um, and I feel like, honestly, I feel like it's been beneficial to me because I've somehow stayed relevant, even though I haven't put on a <laughs> uniform in a really long time. Um, but I mean, if anything, like I, I talk about it all the time. Like I want more like female creators on the platform because it yeah. is a male dominated space, especially YouTube like very male dominated space on YouTube in the running world. And so I just like really want more people to join because if, if anything, it's just going to make the niche bigger and like opportunities for people. And especially like, I don't know when I was living in Portland and stuff. And after college, one of my biggest goals with my platforms is to help grow the running world because I think it is really cool. People have so many cool stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the biggest things for me is like, I don't know, more people joining the content creation scene yeah Um, so I always encourage like more people to do it and the opportunities that it can present to people especially runners in college that are maybe super good but they don't have the opportunity to like get a super high paying contract like the amount of opportunities that you can get if you grow a social media account is absolutely insane and yeah I mean I'm not saying like even if it's not like a running contract yeah like yeah you can you can continue to run after college on your own and get you know sponsored by other companies that aren't like running and like still do what you love even if like it's not at like the professional level so I totally agree I think it's it's so cool that's exactly what I mean like I I was a good runner in college but I was not going to be getting any sort of contract after but I easily could have continued running on my own just like because of my YouTube channel and Mm -hmm. social media and stuff which is super cool and I feel like it's a unique opportunity that anyone can really take advantage of if you have a phone um yeah it just is a lot more work than people probably also like to see yeah. but tiktok i feel like has changed that like you don't need to pick up a yeah. youtube camera to do it um so yeah. yeah i mean i always encourage people to start social media accounts 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> because no, I'm with you. And I, like journey too. Exactly. Yeah. And I also feel like getting like more, I, it's always like so interesting to think about like how many like people there are that could have been like super incredible runners that just like never even tried it or like never even like did consistent training for a few months and like growing the running world more. I just feel like it's such a cool like lifestyle of like learning what works best for you and learning your body and pushing yourself. And, and you learn so many incredible lessons about life through running. I mean, I know that's like that for every sport, but I just feel like running is a bit more exaggerated because it's so hard and because it's so gritty. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I totally agree that the more like we can get creators and like, you know, those who are in the running world, like kind of share their stories. It's just like any other, it's just like any other thing. Like when you see other people doing it, like you'll want to join. And that's my whole argument about female athletics. Whenever people, you know, talk about how they're like, oh, well, you know, the only reason that people don't watch female sports, like I just like football better. Like we just enjoy watching it more. I'm like, no, you enjoy watching it because you know, the teams and you watch them every weekend and you know, every player on the team and you know, their siblings, you know, their entire life stories. It's like, so you're invested in them. And if you put that same amount of investment in, you know, female athletes and athletics, and if female athletes were given the same platforms and airtime on these big channels so that you could learn about their stories and their backgrounds and their demographics, you would be more invested and you would go seek out their schedules and make sure you're watching. And that's another thing that I love about social media is that it's giving us that platform, you know, when the TV channels wouldn't. And all of us female athletes are kind of creating these platforms where people are going out and looking for our races and events to go watch because they found us on TikTok or Instagram. And it's, and it's helping kind of create that equality before it was really given to us, which is kind of cool. The only thing that sucks is like, it's still not like the running world is obviously not as equivalent to other sports, like being able to watch and support. I love different, like you know, outlets like the Oval or like providing free resources for people to like hear about running news, like be a part of it because it's already so hard to like, for people to be invested in the running world and then having a paywall behind an article, but people aren't going to go do that. And so I literally can't even imagine being like a random person on the street, like trying to figure out the world or like how to watch anything. Because me, who is extremely tapped into the max, like can't be more tapped into the running world than someone like me. I have the hardest time like finding where to watch my friends running. Yeah. Like, and so I can't It should even not imagine. be that difficult. Yeah. And it's just and funny, like, like the amount of conversations though I've had with people in the sport that's like, how do we fix the sport of track and field? Yeah. I'm so, like, this is like probably bad of me to say, but I'm so tired of that conversation. Like I'm so yeah. tired of the conversation of how to fix the, fix the sport of track and field. Um, and people just need to start making content. And I don't know, I feel like social media is so powerful in that. Um, It like forces change to be made. Yeah. And that's like, the other thing I was going to say is so like last track season, when I was like doing well for steeple, I had blown up on TikTok like before that. And so people on Twitter were like, how can I watch your races? Blah, blah, blah. And I had so many people reach out to me after like my big races, like at nationals or at USA is being like, I tried so hard to watch your race and I could not find it. Or it was like, I had to go pay $20 for a monthly subscription when I wanted to watch a nine minute race. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like these people are like trying so hard to like be yeah, supportive. Yeah, but there's not anything you can do about it. It's I like, know, yeah. 
I mean, I guess you could go like write a strongly worded letter to these companies, but it's again, it's like huge companies that are like, I don't know, with big TV contracts that we're dealing with here. And it's like, okay, yeah, you can do what's in your power, which is sharing your experience on the internet um, and sharing recaps and stuff. And I feel like that's already doing a lot more than other people who say they want to fix the sport of track and field. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting, but I'm so like... (laughs) So I'm, I'm really going over this like time and I feel like I have not um answered or asked any of the questions that like I was gonna ask on this this is so <laughs> random but I was I feel like every time I go to some running party like some after party uh-huh. some meet I get yeah. cornered <laughs> it happens every time I get cornered into a like two hour long conversation of how to sp- fix the sport of track and field oh my god like people come <laughs> up to me and like ask this question and and then I end up having like the two hour long conversation and I just realized and then that nothing changes. Yeah. But then nothing changes and like no one really does anything. And I'm yeah. just, I don't know. I feel like I sound like a snobby person, like saying. That. No, it's, it's so frustrating. I'm like, yeah. I'm pretty new to like the running world and I'm still like, that's just such a big, and people have been trying to change it for years. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like an interesting conversation, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, I'm doing my part. I'm trying you know, having people on the podcast. I love having conversations with people and people, there's so many cool stories in the running world. And yeah. I don't expect everyone to go start a YouTube channel, like every professional runner or just yeah. people like that. Cause it takes a lot of effort. So I feel like, I don't know. Being able like to give them that platform story. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been fun for me to like hear everyone's stories. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Getting to meet so many people, so many cool yeah. people too. I feel like I have so many friends now. Like that's I think yeah. the biggest thing for this podcast. Like this podcast isn't even really considered work for me. Like it's just fun talking to people. Yeah. Like it's yesterday like I literally talked to Emily Infeld, who I haven't talked to in I don't know over a year really. And like I, we follow each other yeah. on Instagram and stuff, and we're friends. But it's nice to like sit down and like have an actual hour long conversation with someone. Exactly. Even though I mean I end up like posting it to thousands of people or whatever. <laughs> but it's just fun like being able to connect with people that it really know, is. I'm not seeing all the time. And like, I don't know if like we would have ever like run into each other, like gotten to meet if we didn't yeah, have exactly. So, so thank you. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, I don't know. The power of social media is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I keep doing it. So <laughs> do you want to keep doing it after school? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just love it. Like, I enjoy sharing my story so much. I think that's something that we're both very similar in. And it's not everyone, you know, like not everyone enjoys like telling their stories of different things like that. And since it's something that I love, like I even love like the process of like creating videos for TikTok mm-hmm. and like seeing everything come together and like something that has taken a few different takes or like a long time to like kind of piece together. It just feels so rewarding for me. And then also the feeling of like other people seeing it and, and commenting and things. I, I like, I love everything about it. And I'm very grateful that I have a very good relationship with social media because I know like a lot of people can it, let it become their life and like start to get really dependent on views and like have their mental health dependent on that. And I'm very grateful for my older sister who she like from the beginning was like very clear of like, you know, how to not do that and like make sure that I didn't do that because it's something she had to learn kind of the hard way. I mean, she didn't go into the music industry thinking she'd be a social media creator. She's still like, she's like, I want to create music. Like I'm not, I don't want to create TikToks. And now the entire music industry has like changed and they're like, they're only gonna give you a record deal. If you're like blowing up on TikTok, she's like, what the heck? Like, I didn't sign up for this. So yeah, it's, it's definitely weird, but I love it. And then I'm grateful that I love it. So I can keep doing it after college too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the key of like 
longevity on social media is you have to actually enjoy doing it and yeah. you can't go into it thinking that you're going to blow up and yeah. become famous because that defeats the whole purpose and you'll get burnt out yeah. extremely quick mm-hmm. but yeah I mean you and I are the same like I just love sharing my life I find it really enjoyable mm-hmm. I don't really know why but it's just like very it's kind fun. of like journaling I don't know it's like, 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 like journal like at the end of the day it's like yeah. therapy for me like <laughs> I've I have my like little tripod set up here mm-hmm. and there's like I have so many, like so much raw footage of me for YouTube of me just like uh-huh. a 20 minute clips of me just talking to the camera. And then I never That's end up awesome. posting them because I'm like, this is yeah. way too TMI for the internet. But it's fun to like just do it. Yeah. And- no, it's like cathartic. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I took up way too much of your time already. Um, <laughs> so and I, it literally, I think I asked like one question I had written down. So you'll probably have to come on again, you know, in the future. And I would love that. More. I'd love that. That took, it just took so many different turns. <laughs> well, we also like didn't even really get into like my book. So I can like come on then maybe when like my book comes out later. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna like read your book to the because I have the draft or whatever, but I'm excited for it to um come out and like see the final product and everything. But oh yeah, gosh, yeah. Yeah, we can go into depth on like we didn't even talk really about your running that much, or I don't even <laughs> really know what we talked about, and it's already been an hour. No, um, we just have too many things. <laughs> yeah, too many things <laughs> to talk about. Um Okay. Well, I have one more question. Do you have any advice to your younger self? Advice to my younger self would be, I try to change this every time I get asked. Cause I feel like it's like, a, a, it's a very solid question, but there are so many different things that I would want to say. Um, I would definitely say like not being afraid to reach out to people and connect. I think that a lot of people want to make more connection, especially think like in whatever your sport is, or if you're a college athlete, or if you're a student at a particular college, like reaching out to people who are in a similar position as you, they're probably looking for, for friends too. And so I think that's something that I'm really grateful that I've done over my college career, just not being afraid to like, if I see someone who I think is super cool, you know, they're another, another female college athlete, I'll like follow them. And then like, you know, come on their post and just be like, Hey, I just wanted to like reach out and say, I think you're super incredible and would love to like, you know, connect at one point. I know we live across the country, but maybe we can like get on a zoom or I don't know, do something together just because I think that we would connect. And that's something that has provided so much value for me. And I created these relationships with people who live across the country who like, I've literally never even met before. And so I think now with social media and technology, which kind of like been the theme of this call, it's just kind of like it provide you this resource to reach so many people who can be great influences on your life and have the same passions as you. And don't be afraid to reach out to them because I think those are some of the, the most valuable relationships that I have at this point. Shooting your friendship shot is what I like. Exactly. To call it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I made a lot of my good friends that way of just like, yeah. I don't know when I moved to Portland in 2019, like I reached out to an acquaintance of mine and I was like, Hey, do you like living in Portland? And she's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And then like introduced me to all like this network of friends. Like you never know what it's going to end up becoming. That's so nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like, I really am an advocate of also shooting your friendship shot and on social Mm -hmm. media too. It's like very powerful. So I love that. Um, okay. Well, where can people follow you at, find you? When does your book come out? Yes, for sure. So I am at Emily Cole on Instagram at E Emily Cole E on TikTok. And, um, I actually have a website for my book called the players 
you can go in and like put in your email to get updates about the book. Like I'm going to kind of post different updates as I go through the publishing process. It comes out in October. I don't have an official date yet. I'm still like finalizing the book cover and like getting it, what categories it's gonna be in on Amazon and things like that. But I'm super excited to share that story and that journey because it's been a whole whirlwind of the past couple of years of writing it. And I'm just really, really excited to be able to get it out and people to actually be able to read it. It's kind of been something that like, you know, I've been working on on my own for the past two years and no one's really gotten to see like any of it. And then all of a sudden it's gonna be like this finished book. It's like, oh, she just did this overnight. I'm like, no, that's not how it happened. But yeah, so definitely follow me there. I, I like post about it all the time. Mainly on my Instagram is probably the best place to, like connect and hear my journey and like day-to-day -day life. But yeah, I am so, so grateful I got to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. You're awesome. And I'm excited to come back because we have to, finish the other questions <laughs> yes i know and we'll talk about your book because i really want to hear about that journey because i have no idea what even goes into publishing a book so i will you'll definitely be back on um when <laughs> love it, it. Out. yeah cool all right thank you so much for coming on today um to close out the episode can we get a good old peace out fellas peace out fellas Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Commas Over Cold Brew. I hope you enjoyed, you know, sitting as a little fly on the wall with this conversation with Emily and I. She's super cool. It was really cool getting to talk to her and she's very well-spoken. So I loved having a conversation with her and she had a lot of good insight. So she's going to need to come on again to talk more about the book writing process because I am really intrigued with that. And I'm sure most of you are too. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Convos Over Cold Brew Pod if you want to be up to date and submit listener questions. Also, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts helps me so, so, so much. And I just love reading your guys' reviews. It seriously makes my day. When I see that someone wrote a new review, it makes me so excited and I'm just so glad that you guys love the podcast. Again, thank you all so much for listening and I will catch you all next week. Peace out, fellas. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stripe Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.